up and welcome inside Bet the Edge, powered by Points Bet. Corey Parson here with my guy, Drew Densick. Coming up on the program today, we're talking college basketball with Seth Greenberg from ESPN. Also, Breeders' Cup coming up this weekend. We're going to talk some horse racing with Brittany Erson. Drew, what's going on with you, my man? Interesting night in the NBA last night. How about that Celtic comeback? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. There was some absolute meltdowns, some unbelievable upsets. And, um, yeah, probably the only time all season I'm going to have seven points of closing line value in the NBA. And it did not matter. Portland Trailblazers could not get my edge of the day home. Very disappointing. But we, we go back to the well. There's some NBA I like today. So I fired up to get to today's program. No doubt we'll definitely get into some hoops a little bit later on with our edges of the day. First, let's start off right here. We're halfway through the NFL season, Drew. And the MVP conversation is starting to tick up right now. Right now on points bet, Josh Allen is the favorite at plus 350. Then you have a trio of Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, and Kyler Murray at plus 550. And then Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott each at 10 to 1. Let's start with Allen. He, to me, he seems like he was the favorite coming into the season. Uh, People had given him the award already. He's been good this year, but nowhere running away with it, in my opinion. I completely agree with you, and I think he's really only at the top of the market right now because they probably took so many bets on him this summer. He was the proverbial hot pick, you know, the guy that was expected to take the next step. The Bills were the hot pick to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC, and he's done nothing but sort of fulfill everybody's expectations to this point in the season. Uh, And by the way, the Buffalo Bills have the easiest record from here on in. They're going to be favored by a touchdown or more in every game except at Tampa Bay. So that is eight more likely wins for this squad, taking them to the ballpark of realistically, they're going to be 15 and two. And at that point, uh, this is a team that is going to be in the conversation to be the one seed overall uh, and the clear favorite in the AFC to win the Super Bowl. So it makes sense that Josh Allen would still be that short. Now, his one marquee game was that game against Kansas City, where obviously the second half got delayed by the lightning storm. And I don't know that a lot of people really got to see that. And that was his sort of signature performance to this point in the season. The next week out, he was on Monday Night Football on ESPN. They lose to the Titans in primetime. So there's probably, he's going to need to do something pretty special in terms of his final stat line to warrant favorite status in this market. Meanwhile, Matthew Stafford is absolutely compiling some unbelievable statistical numbers right now. His EPA per play is far and away the best among all quarterbacks in the NFL right now and the Rams are doing nothing but taking care of business they've allowed the one stumble uh, against the uh, Arizona Cardinals which they're going to have the opportunity to um, you know to uh, to avenge here coming up in a couple weeks um, and the rest of their schedule is re- relatively soft as well so I think Stafford at plus 550 is probably a little bit value he should probably be closer to the 300, 400 range with Allen in that co-favorite status. And then Kyler Murray, I think, is probably going to slide the most, obviously. He is dealing with a, a significant ankle injury. The likelihood that he continues his stellar play, if you take away the element he brings on the ground, I think is suspect. Uh, and I think the Arizona Cardinals are in for a little bit tougher road than a lot of these other contenders. So Cardinals likely slide down the standings, and you see Kyler Murray's odds slide with them. When you look at that, out of that trio of groups, um, that five, that plus 550 trio, I would say that my guy is Tom Brady, you know, and what he's leading the league. And I think also he can rack up a very good uh, regular season record before they head into the playoffs. But at 20 to 1, Lamar Jackson probably means more to his football team than any of these dudes do to theirs. 
I can agree with that. And in fact, I think you can even say that Stafford probably has a, has a, a knock because is it McVay or is it Stafford? People will ask that question and they're going to ding Stafford because of that. Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson, everybody all summer talked about he needs to take a step forward in the passing game. He needs to pass better. He needs to pass better. And that is all that he has brought to the table this season, yep. uh, which is, you know, he answered those questions. He's doing it with winning football. He's in a competitive division. Uh, if they come out of their bye and they get a solid win this week against a, a frisky Minnesota, team I think he's back on track and in that discussion but uh, truly the uh, the schedule for the Baltimore Ravens is a lot lot tougher than what Matt Stafford is going to have to go through and what Josh Allen is going to have to go through so that is maybe the one x factor that's keeping him kind of in that second tier no doubt you will put your wigs on the NFL MVP over at points bet we appreciate you listening to bet the edge wherever you may be listening make sure to rate the pod of course sign up we're giving you all the actual information you need in 30 minutes or less. The lines move fast, and we want to make sure that you are gaining an edge with us. And, of course, find us on Twitter. I am available at whale underscore capper. Corey Parson is at the fantasy exec. We are there to answer any and all questions. As you as you know, we are ready to tip off college basketball season. I'm sure you have some work you've done. You have some angles you like. You have some bets you like. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you're thinking, and we will uh, talk it out with you. No doubt, and obviously, good time to talk about college basketball right now. I want to bring in uh, ESPN college basketball analyst and host of the Bald Men on Campus podcast. Got it. I'm a big fan of Seth Greenberg. Seth, how you doing, sir? Doing good. So you're the fan. I appreciate you. <laughs> yes, I am the one. Speaking of, another guy I'm a fan of, I actually did some work with him before, is um, Coach K. Even though I'm a Tar Heel fan, I respect you know Coach K and the legacy and stuff like that. He's coming into his final season, his farewell tour, to say it. Right now, Duke is the favorite to win the ACC, followed by North Carolina. What do you think about the Blue Devils going into Coach K's final year? I think they have a chance to have a special team. I think they'll have a special team. Uh, the big key for, for Duke will be, will they defend? I mean, like the last few years, they haven't been consistent defensively. Now, Jeremy Rose should help that at the point of attack, his ability to pressure the ball. Trevor Kills, to me, is a guy no one's talking about. Obviously, we're talking all, all talking about Paolo Banchero, but uh, Trevor Kills is a physical freshman guard that is really, really committed and determined. The one thing you got to remember about Duke this year, we always think about one-and-dones, and they've got terrific one-and-dones. They've also got returning players. Mark Williams, I had a chance to watch them practice. He must have had 30 rebounds in their practice, 30. Uh, he protects them from the rim. Think about the end of the season, how well he played. So you got Wendell Moore, you got Mark Williams, you got Jeremy Roach. All of a sudden, you've got a veteran core to be complemented by a very, very talented freshman class. So uh, I think they have a good mixture of youth and experience. I think that they'll be more versatile defensively. I think they'll have a rim protector. And that's what will make them different. I'm not saying it'll be easy because there's a team no one's talking about. See, everyone talks about Virginia, but I think Virginia Tech's going to be an issue because Virginia Tech offensively, is as advanced, and they've got two guys that have really tough matchup problems, Justin Mutz and Kevin Aluma is terrific. They made more shots in the practice. I watched them play, watched them in, than any team I watched all preseason. They have shot makers. The big question for them is can they be committed defensively? They're a little undersized in the backcourt, even though Hunter Couture is a, an elite shot maker. I was a Duke guy, so I love hearing about ACC talk, and I love breaking down this conference. But uh, I'm curious what your take is overall in the college basketball landscape and the strength of these different conferences. Corey and I did a, a big preview for March Madness last year, and our whole takeaway was 
man, the Big Ten is getting way too much respect. They had all of these top seeds, but, you know, they really, really underwhelmed when it came to March Madness. And on the flip side, the Big 12 was extremely impressive. How do we enter this uh, season 2021-2022? Do we think that the Big Ten, you know, are they still as, as formidable or uh, did we learn something important about them last March? You know, I mean, just because you don't play well in March doesn't mean you have a good season. I mean, like, here's you know, the depth of the Big Ten is undeniable. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, the depth of the Big Ten is undeniable. Now, you know, one thing people didn't take in consideration, I didn't take in consideration, is, you know, the Big Ten, they had their conference tournament in Indianapolis, and then they stayed for the NCAA tournament. And they those players were there for two and three weeks at a time. You know, being in quarantine and being in one place in your hotel room, not easy to be honest with you. So I don't know if that, you know, was one of the reasons. Like Ohio State. Ohio State was a really good basketball team. Now, they weren't a great defensive team, but they were a really good basketball team. They're going to be a good basketball team this year. E.J. Liddell is one of the toughest matchups in the country. Michigan State had an uncharacteristic year. UCLA goes to the Final Four. Michigan State had that game won. All right? That's not going to happen every day. Purdue, they got two legitimate frontcourt players in Edie and, uh, and Williams. The problem is, can you play those two big guys together? That's not really advantageous in the way the game is played today because everyone's playing four out, everyone's playing spread offenses, spread ball screens, open up the floor, better flow. It's hard for those bigs to defend together. But Jaden Ivey has emerged as an elite player. I mean, look, the Big Ten and the SEC, to me, are the two best conferences. The Big 12 is right there, not as good as they were. Kansas at the top. I think Baylor will still be very good. Look for Oklahoma State to not – drop off that much, even though they lose Cade Cunningham. I like their depth. I like their returning players. And you guys know more about this than I do because I don't follow lines, but they were really successful in the games that Cade didn't play. They were really, really, Boone is really good. Anderson's really good. Moncrief's really good. Uh, They're extremely long, extremely athletic. They can really, really defend. Oklahoma, you know, will be a little bit of an if because they got raided when Coach Kruger retired, but you know, there'll be a little bit of an if, but, you know, Texas Tech is good. Even though Chris Beard went to Texas, Texas Tech is still going to be good. They got Shannon back, who's a very, very good player. You know, they've got McCullough back. They've got enough pieces. Silva's returning. Uh, they get the O'Banner kid who played uh, last year, did such a great job last year in the NCAA tournament. And obviously Chris Beard of Texas is going to, he's going to have an impact. Seven freshmen. He's a mad scientist. He'll figure out a way to put them together. All right, so let's get to the question that is probably the most important. Does Gonzaga get over the hump this year, or is this Michigan, UCLA, or maybe uh, my man Jay Wright and Villanova? Who do you like to, to, to cut down the nets? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting year for Gonzaga, because when you think of Gonzaga, yeah, obviously Chet Holmgren is, is terrific. I mean, and but he's a fresh. He's 7 foot, 190 pounds. I said that again. He's a, a seven foot, 190 pounds. Can he rebound the ball and initiate the fast break? Can he shoot a three? He can do all those things. Can he protect the rim, which will give him a rim protector? Drew Timmy's their best player. All right. Here's my only concern for them. Andrew Dabhart is terrific. It's terrific. This is the first time that Mark Few in a long time is going to really be relying on freshmen. All right. So he's going to be relying on three different freshmen, which is really interesting at the point guard position, the wing position, obviously. And Holgren in the post. Now, they got Rashir Bolden, who's going to be a transfer from Penn State. He gives a little maturity in the backcourt. But kind of integrating those three freshmen with the expectation, with a very tough early season schedule, I think will help them. Obviously, gets in the league, play the leagues a little bit de- deeper. Do they have a shot? Yeah, eventually they're going to knock down the door. They weren't as good as Baylor. 
That's just the way it was. They weren't as tough as Baylor. Baylor's defense would just overwhelm them. Their ability to get up and under and push them out. They were more physical. Could they win it? Yeah, I would not. I would not go all in on Gonzaga because of of their alliance on on those young players. We've seen that it's returning players that win national championships. That's why I was talking about like Duke, the mixture of youth and experience. I like. Uh, I think that you know Memphis is a long play. I would think. Or is that is that how you pronounce it? And here's why. Amani Bates can play the point. They got to take care of the ball. They got to shoot it better. Their biggest concern is Landers Nolly and Lester Quinones. Those two guys played a lot of minutes and they had a different role last year. Well, their role changes with Duran and Bates. So how are they going to embrace that? Now, I think the addition of Larry Brown managing some of those egos, and I, I had a chance to watch their pro day. The relationship between Larry and, and Penny is so, so good. I mean, Larry has so much, Coach Brown has so much respect for Penny. And Penny obviously is not intimidated by having someone who's as brilliant. And mm-hmm. when I say brilliant, when I was at Long Beach State, uh, Coach Brown was with the Clippers. And I can tell you the best practice I've ever watched. I used to go watch him almost three times a week. The best coach I've ever, floor coach I've ever seen in the business. So Memphis is a little bit on the outside. I'm not sure if they have that dominant ball guard. Like, uh, you know, the ball will be Bates' hand. What do you do with Timberlake? I think that's going to be an interesting thing. Who's a multifaceted defender? Can they shoot enough? I think Kentucky like is undervalued. Like no one's talking about Kentucky. They're like they're barely in the top twenty. So, you know, people. Some people have like the third or fourth best team in the SEC. SEC is the second best conference in college basketball. Kentucky's going to be fine. A year ago, before the pandemic, and that's the key word, pandemic. Before the pandemic, people forget Kentucky won the SEC by three games, and all of a sudden, John Calipari forgot how to coach. No, but they've got guard play again. Severe Wheeler is going to be terrific. Kellen Gray is going to be rock solid. Frederick's going to make shots. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a different dynamic. Ty Ty Washington's got a little Tyrese Maxey in him. I, I think he's going to be really good. Damian Collins and, and Bryce Hopkins are going to be fine. And then Oscar Sheboy gives him a big body. The other team that's a little bit, two other teams that I would say that aren't on this list that people might want to just kind of watch, Alabama and Auburn. Ooh. Uh, Alabama's backcourt might be the best in the SEC with Shackleford, Davison, and, and Quinterly. And Auburn, uh, Bruce Pearl does a great job of attacking matchups. Jabari Smith is the real deal. And uh, they've got a physical tough backcourt. If Alan Flanagan comes back, if he comes back, to give him another defender and a shot maker to complement their athleticism. And Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith might be the best frontcourt in the league. Wow. Alabama and Auburn, those two teams – they're, they're really intriguing in terms of a, a big picture. Well, it's worth noting uh, Gonzaga is the most bet team so far at 6-1, to one, unsurprisingly. But uh, biggest liabilities, you might be surprised, at points bet are on Texas and Purdue. Well, Purdue is very good. I was at their practice. Purdue's legit. You know, got to play those two guys. Jaden's good. Hunter at the point. He's got to be solid. Uh, they've got to make shots. Uh, he's a great coach. I mean, his practices were phenomenal. Uh, Old school motion offense, really, really do a good job of posting their bigs, really active defensively. You know, again, I think the big thing is how do you figure out playing those two bigs? All right. Great stuff. Thanks a lot, Seth. Really appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, Good stuff. Thank you. And we're definitely looking forward to the upcoming college basketball season. And Long Beach Airport's a great airport. (laughs) One of my favorites. I'm looking at the pyramid right as I'm sitting here. (laughs) Nothing bad about Long Beach. All right. Thanks a lot. That's my guy, uh, Seth Greenberg. Great college basketball information. All right. So there you go right there. Done talk some college basketball with um, 
Seth Greenberg, getting ready for upcoming college basketball season, obviously. We'll have you covered with that on NBC Sports Edge. But don't forget, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Celtics and Magic, Bulls and 76ers, Nuggets and Grizzlies. So if you don't have the Predictor app, download it now. All right, time to switch gears, Drew, and talk about the Breeders' Cup, which is airing on NBC Network Friday and Saturday this week. Brittany Ayrton is a part of the team covering the races, and she joined us earlier to break it down. Take a listen. All right, Breeders' Cup coming up this weekend on NBC. Joining us now to break it down from TVG and NBC Sports is Brittany Ayrton. Brittany, how you doing? I'm doing great. Ready for a big, busy week ahead. This is really what we point towards. Two of the best days of thoroughbred racing. And it's, I'm biased, in one of my favorite places ever, Del Mar. All right, definitely looking forward to it. So tell me about the classic. This should be a great race. What has you excited about it? And who should we consider backing, most importantly? Well, it is called the Longines Breeders' Cup Classic, right? And I do think it's going to be a true classic, one for the ages. What's really fun about this is that we have the first, third, and fourth place finishers coming out of the Kentucky Derby. So you already have a lot of people that maybe don't follow racing all the time. They're familiar with these horses. So those are the top ones in terms of the three-year-olds. But then you have some really talented older horses as well, including Nixco not named after the basketball team Knicks, but that horse has been an unbelievable horse for Brad Cox this year. He's really fast as well. Art Collector, another horse that's three for three for trainer Bill Mott, and he's coming into this race in good form. It just as a whole looks like one of those races that we're going to be talking about for years to come. But the two you got to start with are from the same barn, Brad Cox, Essential Quality, the winner of the Belmont Stakes, he also was fourth in the Kentucky Derby and Nick's go. They're two gray horses, so you can't miss them. And they are the <laughs> horses to beat. All right, let's go Nick. <laughs> I mean, essential quality was, hey, if that race had been a little longer, if he had had a little cleaner out of the gate, he probably wins the Derby. And we're probably talking about him horse of the year, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I, I think he really, yeah, it's tough to beat him. Uh, in this race, if you ask me. You um, know, if he wins the Breeders' Cup Classic, he absolutely is a part of the conversation for Horse of the Year. He might already be for some people. Yeah, I've heard some buzz around Art Collector. I might see how that what happens to that number as we get closer to uh, to the race. The most interesting race for me, at least from handicapping, as I kind of open my guide and I'm going through and I'm looking at the, the expected odds, I was kind of shocked that uh, the Kentucky Oaks winner, Malafat, is the mm -hmm. second choice behind Latruska in the Breeders' Cup Distaff. This is obviously uh, fillies and mares. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, Malafat has been relatively lightly raced this year. She had mm -hmm. a stumble in Saratoga and then bounced back and got a win. Uh, so I feel like, is that a handicapping angle to use when we get into the month of November? And just looking at Latruska, she's been run pretty aggressively. Seven yeah. races, seven starts already this year. Obviously, she's got the speed. Uh, mm -hmm. She's lost to She Dares the Devil already once this mm -hmm. season back in March. Um, you know, what are some of the handicapping angles and do you think this uh, you know for Latruska to be this big of a favorite in this uh, competitive of a field well the fact that she's won four grade ones is something uh, she's been pretty dominant she runs them off their feet you mentioned how quick she is do the other horses 
try and soften her up early, but that could lead to their demise late. So do they want to adjust their running style to run with her? She's been brilliant. She has been such an incredible horse for trainer Fausto Gutierrez. It's just, it's interesting because he's very well known in Mexico. He's won the Mexican Triple Crown twice, but he comes over to America with only about 10 or so horses and really is making a name for himself here, thanks to Latruska. Now, Malathot, I think she needs more distance personally. I think a mile and a quarter would really be her game, but they didn't want to attempt the Breeders' Cup Classic against the boys. I totally understand that. She dares the devil. Who has she been beating? She does like the track, though, which is a positive. She won a grade one here at Del Mar earlier in the year. Royal Flag is who everybody's talking about. I think what? that might be the other horse for you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Ooh. Interesting stuff. Kennedy's in the right form, you know, and that's what you need. You need the peak race to be on Saturday. All right, cool. All right, Brittany, let's break down the sprint. What should we look for? And is Jackie's Warrior the rightful favorite? Oh, yeah. Jackie's Warrior doesn't get beat. All right. <laughs> Any horse can get beat. I so totally understand. Single Jackie's warrior in my yeah. pick six. Okay. You and everybody else probably is <laughs> Jackie's warrior. I love this horse. I mean, he's been impeccably campaigned by trainer Steve Asmussen. He tried the Breeders' Cup Juvenile last year around two turns. They've turned him back to one turn, and he's been sensational. He's quick. He can sit off the pace if need be. For me, it is all about Jackie's warrior in the Breeders' Cup sprint. But... If you need another, okay, I'll give you one. Dr. Shivel, probably the second choice. This horse has been really talented from day one, but was what was most interesting, I think, about him was in the Santa Anita Sprint Championship last time out. There was an equipment malfunction. So his jockey, Flavian Pratt, not only guided him home safely, but guided him home to a win with only one rein. There's an incredible photo out there where Flavian Pratt, as he crosses a wire, is grabbing one hand on the rein, one hand on the bridle is sportsmanship. <laughs> well done by him. I love it. So you brought up something I think is pretty important for anyone handicapping these races, and especially on Saturday's races, current form matters a ton. Uh, and just basically, how are you running now late in the season? But I feel like on Friday, when we're in the juvenile races, there's a lot more uncertainty because these horses just haven't run nearly as much. There's not as much as much of a track record. And so a little bit, you know, there's a little bit more randomness. Is that a fair way to look at the uh, Friday juvenile races? And do you have any particular horses we should keep an eye on? You're absolutely right, because any horse can really pop on the day in terms of the two-year-olds, because you haven't seen them all fully developed yet. We saw it two years ago in 2019. I, I'm going to be biased here. My father won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile with Storm the Court at 46 to 1. So you awesome. never really know what you're going to get. Yes, favorites can win, but there are a lot of question marks with these young horses. Let's start with the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Echo Zulu. She has been brilliant thus far. She's undefeated. She wins with ease, but she's never run around two turns. So that's a big question mark for her. You have Jack Christopher, who's going to be a heavy favorite for trainer Chad Brown in the juvenile race on the dirt. Also a horse that's never run around two turns. So you still have these question marks, which means Yes, I would absolutely encourage you to go for a price. In terms of the turf races, obviously, a lot of the Europeans do well. We have tighter turns here at Del Mar, but I want to give you one horse that I think the sports fans are going to like, McKinnon. You'll recognize that name if you're a hockey fan. Uh, he plays for the Avalanche. This horse is owned by Eric Johnson, who also plays for the Avalanche, and so that horse will be in the juvenile turf and, to all accounts, doing really, really well. So... Sports fans will like that one. 
Ooh, great tip. Uh, I'm all about some Echo Zulu. Uh, sired by Gunrunner. Excited to see what happens uh, with this horse out in the mix. Um, so that one's fun for me, but uh, great tip on McKinnon as well. Good stuff. Thanks for having me, guys. You're going to be out there, right, Drew? Yeah, going Friday. Very, right. very excited. Del Mar is one of the most special places on earth. You don't even have to be a racing fan, like just going to uh, see the surf and the turf and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, the experience of the race at that track is pretty outstanding. No, couldn't agree with you more. When they had it here in 2017, I think everybody was wondering how they were going to pack that many people in a pretty small track, but they did a great job with it. It was fun. Like you said, the area around here, Delmar really embraces it. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it come back. All right. Great stuff. For more information on the Breeders' Cup, make sure you follow Brittany on Twitter at Brittany Erton. Thanks a lot, Brittany. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, good stuff by Brittany with Breeders' Cup coming up this weekend on NBC. All right, Drew, let's get ready to to, to attempt (laughs) to get some wins in the NBA tonight with our edges of the day, both of us going to the hardwood. And I tell you what, every night in the NBA is very interesting. You go first. I actually, your edge of the day was actually going to be my edge of the day. We weren't, you know, so we are kind of on the same page here. Well, great job by you taking the Giants last night. That was never really in doubt. Uh, nice look on the dog. And it was really a day for the dogs in the NBA as well last night. A couple of uh, huge underdog winners. Uh, of course, the Trailblazers, the lone exception. Going back to war with the dog, though, tonight in the Sacramento Kings, taking on the Utah Jazz. There's a couple of fun angles here. Of course, the Kings have been outstanding against better competition this season. Uh, they've given every single legitimate contender a true test. They beat the Suns very memorably last week in what was a very, very competitive game. Uh, and really, it's because the Kings have had a huge step forward from some of their young players, including Buddy Heald, as well as a revitalization uh, from Harrison Barnes, who is playing at you know, in like in the conversation for an all-star bid, which is incredible at this stage of his career. But these guys, they are making their open threes. And guess what? The Jazz are getting very lucky so far this season. They're giving up about 18 looks of, of open threes per game, but their opponents have only been able to convert on 22% of those. That is fluky. That will regress to the mean, and I believe it will regress starting this week with Sacramento Kings, who create outstanding looks from three uh and really I, I think the kings are live to at least keep this about a one score game i think it's decided late i just hope that they can hold on because they've had a tough they put a lot uh, of effort into the start of the season so you know if, if you're not willing to go to the war with them for the full game then first half makes sense as well as a decent look but uh let's go sacramento kings uh no doubt well, there's somebody who bent against the utah jazz in their first round series with the Grizzlies uh, every game last last year. They know how to wear you down, but uh, the Kings definitely have been all uh, playing good basketball to start the season, and they're, they're good against the number. I'm going to go with the Miami Heat tonight, later two and a half with the Heat versus the Dallas Mavericks. Listen, Ooh. the Miami Heat are playing good basketball, 5-1 to start the season. Now, here's the thing. We talked about it on our basketball betting show. The Dallas Mavericks are not that good of a basketball team. I don't believe they're going to have Kleber or Porzingis tonight. It's kind of just like Luka and everything else. I actually think the Miami Heat going there and later Wood to them pretty good tonight. We've seen the number, number tick up from uh, one and a half to two and a half. I just look at this Dallas Mavericks team as a team that's kind of fugazi, like a team that people think is better than what they are. They look at Luka and think the team is great when really this is a very subpar team. I think it's a bottom of, not when I say a bottom of the West. I mean, in that play-in mix instead of a playoff team, while the Miami Heat, I think, are one of the 
top teams in the Eastern Conference. So I'm going to take the road favorite in this one and lay the two and a half at the Miami Heat. It's not crazy. The Heat have been truly elite so far. And uh, you know what's crazy and wild and no one's talking about it? Jimmy Butler is playing at an MVP level. He is absolutely dominating right now on both sides of the ball. Super, super valuable performances from him so far. And uh, I agree, you have a complete team effort going up against uh, a team that is still figuring itself out with a coach that I don't know will ever figure it out. And oh, by the way, sixth man of the year, Tyler Hero for the Heat. Uh, great matchup for him against a very, very unimpressive bench. All right, there you go right there. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com. You'll have all the information you need after you're done listening to us to continue making the winning wages. Thanks for those of you watching on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. And again, don't forget to subscribe and rate the pod. Good luck and may the winners be yours.